And God rarely shows us you know, miles and miles down the road, but he does show us the, the next steps to take. Well, hey, everyone, welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation. Today, we uh, are excited to welcome on our show, Dr. Bob Griffith, the lead pastor of Christ Chapel, a multi-generational, multicultural church in the D.C. area. Uh, and Bob is also the founder of One Hope Together, a nonprofit organization that seeks to rally people around the cause of an important need in our nation today, and that's foster care. Uh, welcome. Glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me here. This is great. I am an avid follower. I've listened to many, many amazing podcasts, and it is an honor and privilege to be on the podcast with you guys. Well, hey, uh, as we open up the conversation, uh, I want to discuss your latest book, uh, which you wrote with your wife, Wendy. It's called Fostering Jesus, Answering the Call to Foster Care in the Home and in the Church. Tell us about um, this mission to foster. What motivated you to write this book and and share just share the mission with us? Sure. A few years ago, uh, I was an executive pastor at a larger church in, in the Chicagoland area, and I was looking to try to make an impact as best I could in the community and be a church where you know, if we were to be missing one day, that 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 they would actually miss us. And so uh, I was just asking the questions of how could we be relevant? What could we do to impact our community? It's a question that pastors ask themselves often, of course. So I, I started with just a simple meeting with county leaders, representatives uh, around a round table. And, and I just asked them that question, what if you could wave a magic wand? And you could call the church to do something for you. It, just one thing, what would it be? And they they kind of looked at each other and all the heads turned to the head of, of the foster care uh, programming in the county. And so that person looked at me and said, well, I guess it would be me. And uh-huh. so they just went on to talk about how foster care was their number one area of need. And if, if, if churches throughout the, the city and the county could help with that, it would, it would have the greatest impact on their community. And what I found out later after uh, fostering uh, a child myself and then two and then three uh, is that uh, it is a great need in the community. And uh, 50% of the kids in foster care are five or under, which I did not know. And so we we had uh, three children that were under five. And so we developed a heart for the children in our community by doing that. And we we really were inspired by a few that um, had done foster care in our community. Uh, and we were able to watch them be successful and really just kind of normalize it for us and give us confidence that if they could do it, we could do it. Mm. So we just began fostering these children in our home. That led to uh, an opportunity to adopt them, which mm. you know, I can tell you about later. But um, but that's kind of how we began and got involved. And it was just about meeting the need in the community. And I I really uh, just found out later that 
uh, once we got involved with that, it opened up doors in the community uh, just like I wasn't able to do really in any other way. Uh, it, foster care just began to be kind of a key that unlocked uh, just so many different doors in the community because it touches so many areas of life. You have, you know, uh, um, food insecurity and education and the justice mm. system and on and on. And so when you make an impact in foster care, uh, they all talk to each other. They, you know, they, they communicate and share the stories and the impact and ask, you know, how, how are you able to make a difference? And uh, when the church is the, the answer that they share, um, you know, it, it, really, um, it really spreads. I had the county executive uh, at, a, at an event one time, and this was probably three or four years after we began uh, just doing foster care ourselves as a husband and wife and and then began to do it in our church. And I, I just went up to him and I had never met him before. And I so I shook his hand. I said, hi, I, I've always wanted to just introduce myself, say hello. And he looked at me and he said, well, I know who you are. And and I said, well, how how do you know that? He said, well, we we know what you've been doing. And he said, I just want to say to you, he said, I there are people try to advocate in different ways. And he said, and I so appreciate the way that you advocate for children in our community by just simply serving. Mm -hmm. And he said that just makes a huge difference. And, and so I, um, I just heard things like that from leaders in the community uh, that really spurred me on to just continue doing it. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how it began. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about where, when you're working with a church or you're working with a family that are talking about foster care, where do they, how do you get them to start? What are the challenges that they have? How do we talk through them? If somebody's curious about it, where, where do we begin? Great question. So number one, the, if, if you ask people who um, you know, are interested, you'll find out that um, the studies that they, sh they, they have done are true. Uh, that I think that they're just accurate that, 38% of people in America uh, are interested in fostering, uh, but they only 1% of the Christian population in a congregation in America actually do something to help foster children. So there's this huge gap between who's actually involved and and who is interested in helping. Mm. So, so people are interested. Uh, uh, pastors need to know that. Because as they talk to their congregation, I mean, almost half of the congregation is interested statistically. Uh, so that that plays true for our relationships and family and friends, like you said. Hmm. And so when when you end up talking to someone about foster care, oftentimes you'll see the eyes light up and people will say, oh, wow, I've thought of that before. That's really interesting. Can you tell me more about it? They want to hear your story. Um, but when when you ask about the challenge, what I've found is that the number one challenge that people share is they they just have a hard time uh, contemplating the idea of fostering a child, building a relationship with them. And then one day the child goes back to their biological parents and they have to say goodbye. Mm. The, the, the potential pain in that just seems too great. And that's just the number one reason. I've had people say to me, God bless you for doing this. I could never do that. I could never. And I, I say, well, why? Why could you not do that? 
And that's the reason that they give is I could just never let go and send them back. And to that, I would say you can because Mm. your heart is big enough to be able to love another person and help them through, you know, a vulnerable season in their life and set them back on a course for health with their family. You can do it. Your heart's Mm. big enough and uh, it won't it won't break it. Uh, there's a, there's enough space in there to, to give a piece of your heart to a child. And it's, it's worthwhile. God did it for you. You can do it for someone else. That's good. You know, one of the, the concepts that was discussed in your book around this topic was dealing with, um, a lack of control. Uh, oftentimes we need to let go and just, you know, let God, uh, work through it and learn how to walk in obedience. But what does that look like? How, how can we walk in obedience? Well, it's listening to the the Holy Spirit and the promptings that come from God. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the enemy is never going to prompt us to help a child that's in need. I mean, that just isn't going to come from the enemy. Uh, that, that's going to come from the Spirit of God. So, you know, when, when the Spirit prompts you in that direction, um, obedience is taking one step forward. So for me, I'll just give you an example uh, when when I met with those county representatives and they told me that foster care was their number one need, I went home and I talked to my wife, Wendy, and I said, I think we could do something as a family and something as a church. I didn't know fully what all of that looked like, but what it started with was taking an application and just exploring what that would look like, what what's involved, um, what what are the steps, what are the requirements and at any at any point along the way, you can change direction, but it's taking the first step in following that prompting that God gives you. And for us, um, the one step led to the next step, which ultimately led to, um, you know, to being able to adopt the children that that we were fostering. And w- one thing that is funny for me is uh, when you talk about obedience, when I was sitting down at my table and I, I was, you know, with my wife, Wendy, and there was a social worker there and they gave me the application and I started to fill it out. And there was a box there that, that uh, it asks you to check the box to be a adoptive resource. So I didn't know what that meant exactly. And I, and when I said, well, what does this box mean being an adoptive resource? And she said, well, that means that if if the opportunity arises for the child to be adopted, that you would be interested in being that adoptive parent. And I said, at the time I said, oh no, I'm not interested in that. I'm simply interested in being a foster parent. That's what I I wanna do. Uh, uh, Adoption seems a little bit too big of a step for me. And so my wife looked at me and she said, well, she said, let me ask you a question. If you got to that place, and they asked you, would you adopt? And you felt that God was telling you to do it. Would you do it? And I said, well, yes, I would do it if I felt that God was doing it. Then she said, well, you need to check that box then. <laughs> and I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. And I checked the box. So I, to me, that's what obedience looks like. It's about listening to the promptings in the Holy Spirit, maybe listening to your wife, and just checking the box and taking the first step. Love it. Love it. So where can churches go to start participating in foster care? Like if a pastor is listening to this podcast right now, they're like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in that 30%. I've been mulling it. I want to get this more involved in my church. How can they start going? What's a great first step for them? 
There are uh, a, a couple organizations that I would point them to uh, that are integrators. You know, their their job is to contact a church leader um, or a pastor and begin doing you know the the training, the steps, the resources. Um, it's really it starts with an assessment because uh, every church is different. Mm -hmm. They're in different locations. They have different opportunities uh, in America. 50% of all the foster children are in 5% of the counties. Wow. So, so there's a high concentration. Uh, and, you know, you, you, the, ch the church might be right there. Uh, they may not be right there. So there's an assessment that is done. And then, uh, and then the next steps in terms of, uh, you know, do they want to provide resources to foster families to, to help them, you know, kind of wrap around them? provide support and care, uh, simple things like, you know, cards, diapers, mm. diapers is a big one. Uh, that, that's not usually provided for any other way. And so it can just be very simple things like that. So these, these organizations, uh, help with that. Um, one of those organizations is called backyard orphans. Uh, they provide that kind of training. Uh, and, uh, there's another organization, uh, that is called, uh, compact family services, uh, and they do that as well. Uh, they connect you with the people that can can just help a pastor move it along. But what we found is the pastors are very busy, mm -hmm. and so you know, adding another ministry, another program, uh, really is difficult. But what the surveys showed is forty eight percent. This was a national survey about five years ago. Forty eight percent of the pastors in America said that they would put foster care ministry in the top three uh, elements of the vision of their church if they only knew how. Mm -hmm. So that is the question. It's just simply, how do we do it? Um, that's what I addressed in my book. My mm -hmm. book shows a way to do foster care ministry. It was a way that we did that at our church locally. We used some programs, mm -hmm. plugged them in, and it was successful. And we were able to see at our church that, uh, you know, with doing it uh, one step at a time over a five-year period, we saw 30% of all the foster families in our county eventually attending our church. Wow. So they want to be in community. They mm -hmm. want to, to connect with other people and, and be encouraged, be supported. Uh, it's just a great opportunity for pastors. And uh, so those would be a couple of places I would point them to. Yeah. Now, having served in in the higher education industry and holding degrees in ministry and leadership and business, you, you have a lot of expertise. Uh, so how did your education and experiences prepare you for your work with foster care? Well, they were the catalyst. They were also, uh, you know, the... the um, like the directional element that got me moving forward. So I, I felt uh, prompting and a leading from the Holy Spirit to uh, go into a, uh, uh, a, a doctoral program at Southeastern University in ministry. And, you know, I, it just starts with a prompting. Uh, and many of us recognize that as leaders. Uh, it, it's the voice of the Holy Spirit just moving us forward and sometimes we we know that, but we don't know uh, what all of the future will look like. And and God rarely shows us, you know, miles and miles down the road. But He does show us the the next steps to take. 
And so I knew that that was the next step to take and just began moving forward with that doctoral program. The The essence of that program uh, allowed me to uh, to pick a direction or, um, you know, a, a cause or a, a focus for my studies. And uh, that is when I sat down with a, a mentor at Southeastern who really just listened to my life, listened to my heart and gave me some guidance. And, and he's the one that uh, kind of pulled out this area of foster care ministry uh, and, and just made it an area of focus for me. And he said, I, I really think that God's doing something in your life and that this is this is a, a voice that needs to be in the marketplace. It needs to be told. It needs to be written about. And it's clear that you're already living it. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a, a, some study to do about it that you can add, some research that you can do uh, to be able to tell the story in a greater way. So that's where it began. Yeah. And uh, a three-year uh, doctoral program, uh, really, the, the culmination of it was learning that foster care is at the heart of the gospel. Um, my 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 mentor at Southeastern stated that at the very beginning, he said, he said, I believe that foster care is at the heart of the gospel. And I looked at him and I, I was not, I was not that sure at that point. I said, really, it's at the heart of the gospel. And he said, well, that's what you're going to learn in, in the three, you know, three-year program. You're going to, you're going to come to that conclusion, but you're going to do it you know, on your own through your studies. And one of the areas that really just um, it just made that come alive for me was Isaiah chapter one. Hmm. You know, when, when I when I dug into that chapter and just saw the the people of God doing the ritual of church, uh, trying to please God through worship and, you know, banging of symbols and you know, incense and all the things that they were doing to try and please God. Uh, But the heart of God was expressed in that in verse 16, where, you know, 15 verses, God says, it it grieves me that you come to me and try to gain my, um, um, you know, favor. uh, And you're doing this without caring for the vulnerable that are right Mm. in your backyard. Mm. And, and God just said, that's not acceptable. People that represent me are, are people that need to care for the orphans, care for the widows, care for the vulnerable children. And if you don't do that, God said, I'm going to bring disaster. So he didn't give people time to get their master's degree or (laughs) to buy a bigger house or to, you know, make more money to be able to care for children. He didn't give them any time. He said, This is your calling. You need to do it now. You got to fix this. And if you don't, disaster will come to you. And that just that contrast, uh, you know, at up to that point, I had never, never seen it that way before. So it was very compelling. And I told the Lord, I said, well, uh, if nothing else comes from this study, uh, you have changed the heart of, of my heart as a father uh, for all these children that we were fostering and and then eventually adopted, I love that. It's such a powerful um, idea, right? That that that, that this is an, an an immediate thing, 
right? That this isn't something that you need to wait for till the time is right. Like this is something you need to do right now. What else did you learn in your studies? What are some other things that people don't understand about the foster care system? Maybe even some of the things that if you could, you would change, you would reform. What do we need to be thinking about this system uh, as a church in, in America? That's so good. Uh, there's a couple key ones. Uh, number one is uh, is there's the the recruitment of foster families. And whenever you ask what is the number one need, uh, social services will always tell you recruitment. Um, but right behind that is retention. And they have they have money and they have programs to recruit foster parents, but they don't have any programs to support emotionally foster families that begin doing this. If you're a foster parent for the first time, you go from, you know, having no voices in your life in this area to about six, you know, you have uh, a guardian, guardian ad litem, you have a social worker, you have uh, a doctor, you have a school teacher, you have a biological parent. I mean, you have all these voices in your life. And so just having someone that can cheer you on is is really uh, very, very powerful. I, I talked to one of the judges uh, that, you know, is is involved with um, the placement of children in, in the county. And uh, that was my question to him. It, you know, what's the most important thing? What do we need to know? And he said, well, other than recruiting you know, the number one thing that anyone can do to help in foster care is to support foster parents. Mm. So the national dropout rate is between 40 and 60% nationally. Wow. And we saw that to be the case in our county as well. And, <clears throat> and so what, what, what I did with my research in the doctoral program was dive into, you know, what can change that, move the needle and, and help keep foster parents in the game longer. Yeah, And so uh, so by supporting them in very simple ways with an encouragement, you know, just a, an email, a, a card, uh, some baby formula, some diapers, uh, you know, uh, doing a parent night out where they can go out and, and uh, you know, do some shopping and you 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 set up some kind of child care event for the kids. Just very simple things that an individual or a church can do to help. What it does is it lets them know that the community wants them to succeed, mm. that someone wants them to do it. Because foster parents often jump into it with a burden that they have themselves to make a difference. But they really feel like it's it's something that they chose to do and they don't want to put their burden on someone else. Mm. So they don't go out and ask for help. They don't come to you and say, I'm, I'm drowning here. I'm having a hard time. Can you help me? They just don't do that. So people have to be proactive and reach out and say, hey, I see that you're a foster parent and that is so important. And I just want to encourage you. So what we found is we did a study for 12 months where we just did these kinds of things, these support uh, support activities. And uh, in that time frame, we saw that uh, the overall satisfaction, overall, you know, in every way that foster parents uh, were, were, were feeling went up by 25%. So it wasn't 2%. It wasn't mm. 5%. I mean, 25% is a significant move on the needle. Yeah. Uh, it, that's, that is felt. That's something that is felt The the next one is that we found that, uh, that 
uh, the, the dropout rate uh, mm. was radically changed. So we had 14% of the people that were foster families uh, in our in our church that we, we surveyed. Uh, they told us in one year, we will quit. A hundred percent certainty, they said. We are going to finish out this year and we're going to be done. Um, and when we wrapped around them with just some very simple things, uh, we came back to them a year later and we said, okay, same group of people. Yeah. Now, how many of you are a hundred percent sure you're going to drop out? And that number went down to zero. Wow. I mean, no, wow. no one said that they were going to drop out. So, uh, so being able to help with uh, retention and recruitment, it, those are the, the, the number one and number two needs yeah. in our country today. That's great. Well, we're going to move into our fire round uh, and ask three quick questions here um, uh, for quick, quick uh, right off the top of your head mm-hmm. so we can get some, some great practical wisdom for all of our listeners. But I, I do. I just want to encourage our listeners to pick up the book, uh, Fostering Jesus. I mean, you, you formulate a plan, you, you talk about the experience, uh, you, you share your stories, um, you, you talk about, again, how, how the church can empower and just make huge impact in what is a critical need in, in our nation. So uh, make sure you do pick up that book. But let's uh, move into our fire round, Quick uh, three quick questions, and I'm going to ask Michael to fire away. Okay. So what's the first piece of advice you give to people who they've crossed the threshold, right? They're, they're, they're taking the step from being a 30% thinking about it to I'm doing it. We're, we're signing the dotted line. What's the first piece of advice you give to those, those individuals? To get support, to find uh, some other foster families that they can do life with, that they can share the experience with and, uh, uh, and just gain support, find, find other people to do, uh, foster care with. That's great. Second quick question. Uh, what are some practical ways for people to still support foster community if they're not actively fostering children? Sure. Uh, well, there's an organization called Care Portal. Uh, they are all over the country and uh, there are, are groups that facilitate that. And basically it's just a, a software that allows people to be able to connect with social services and uh, provide very tangible needs. So uh, that's one way. Uh, churches can plug into that care portal mm-hmm. network and uh, and then individuals, they can connect with uh, agencies in their area uh, or social services and simply simply say, what is it that you need? What can I do? Uh, and you can bring um, basic needs like uh, a, um, a car seat, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a, sometimes a new placement needs a crib in order oh. to qualify and they don't have one. Uh, so you could, you could buy them a crib or a mattress, yeah. uh, being able to buy, um, you know, like I said, formula doing, uh, notes of encouragement to people, mm-hmm. um, very, very easy, practical things, uh, to encourage foster parents. Um, uh, and then business owners, uh, this is amazing opportunity because, you know, say you own a, uh, or, or, or even are a manager at an oil change facility. Well, you can offer coupons to foster families and just bless them that way. If you cut hair uh, mm. for a living, uh, you could offer discounts to foster families. And and it, it doesn't have to be a lot. I mean, it can just be some kind of a discount. Ultimately, what you're doing is you're showing them 
that you care about what they're doing and they feel the love by receiving whatever you give them. It could be a basket with, you know, some, some gifts. I had, um, there was a man in our church that just made a little gift basket. He brought it over to a foster family's home, rang the doorbell and the children came out and one of the children just gave him a big hug Mm. and he melted. I mean, he Mm. said, I was just hooked from yeah. that moment forward. He said, I wanted to keep bringing those baskets every week. Yeah, and so ju- it's ve- very easy to help and make a difference and just show the love of God um, by helping a foster family. Well, Bob, I want to thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership. We are grateful for your time and insight and just what a powerful ministry, a needed ministry in our communities and grateful that you are leading the way in that. If you want to stay up to date with Dr. Bob Griffith, you can follow him on Instagram at Dr. Bob Griff. You can also grab a copy of Fostering Jesus on Amazon or at Barnes and Noble or wherever you get your your books. I'm sure it's all available there for you. And we uh, encourage you to tap into that. Thanks for joining us today on Framework Leadership. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Ingle. And hey, if you love great email newsletters, and I know that I do, you want to check out the Framework Leadership Newsletter. Every single Friday drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop on to there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.